In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come to give us new life, and energy, and forgiveness. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the Food Network is currently broadcast to about 96 million homes via cable and via satellite. Now, I don't know if they have like a Food Network app where you can live stream stuff on. And so if that's the case, then it probably goes up exponentially from there. But uh, the, the Food Network has been around since 1993. So just a little bit before I entered into my undergraduate degree. And, uh, and, and with the, the Food Network becoming a thing, when I left the dorms in my undergrad and went to my own v apartment for the very first time, and my roommate convinced me to get a cable package, which I didn't want to get because I'm cheap, he, he got me to this place where, where I was sitting down and, and, you know, kind of cruising through the channels. I was like, hey, if I'm paying for this, I might as well use it. And, and I saw this guy cooking on TV. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird, but I'm kind of hungry and interested. And so I'm going to watch this. And so I started watching. I started getting into it. I think the first one I ever saw was probably Emeril Lagasse. He was my favorite of that period, even if he wasn't the first one. And, and Emeril Lagasse, you know, he, he was this kind of like um, a, like Italian and yet Cajun guy. And he had like this special spice mixture that was sort of like, like pixie dust that he would just go bam and uh, throw it on stuff. And I was like, this is cool. Not only is this making me hungry, but it's kind of entertaining. And so I start watching more and more of the Food Network. And as I'm watching more and more of the Food Network, uh, this is a dangerous place for a young college-age guy like myself to be in because I didn't really know much about cooking. Up until that point, somebody else had sort of taken care of meals for me, and, and I hadn't really learned how to cook very much of anything at all. And now, all of a sudden, I'm watching this stuff being prepared on my television screen, and I'm watching it, and I'm getting hungry, and I have no skills in which to solve that, that hunger problem. And so I start watching a little bit more intently. And as I start watching a little bit more intently, I start going, you know, I, I think I can do this. You know, I, I can get some spices together and I can go bam. <laughs> I, I can start doing what, what Emerald is doing. And so I, I start getting into this, and I start going, okay, well, you know, uh, you know I'd, I'd watch something, and then I would go to the grocery store. Without, you know, doing the smart person thing and writing down all of the stuff that was on, I, I just went and went, okay, I think he did something with this and something that looked like this. And, and I went and, and I tried to make these, these dishes. And it was this interesting experience for me, kind of learning how to cook via television. And this has been happening for, for a while. Even before the Food Network came on, there were, there were other sort of early adopters and in, in people that were showing you how to cook on TV. 
And it was this thing where, where I would watch it, and because I was interested, I, I started trying to do some of this stuff on my own. Now, uh, interestingly, in, in, on Emerald's set, on his show, um, they, there were some people that I, I always wanted to be this person. I never got to be. Um, uh, there were people in his studio audience, and, and they were seemingly selected at random, um, possibly paid, uh, because they were always very favorable. And uh, they were people that would sit around at the end of the show, and they would get to try all of the food. And I always wanted to be one of those persons because I was like, oh, that would be great. Not only am I watching this, not only am I being entertained, but at the end of it, I actually get to taste it. I actually get to experience it with my five senses. I get to smell it. I get to feel what the texture is like inside my mouth. Well, that's kind of where Thomas is at. Thomas is on the other side of the screen, right? So uh, what has just happened in the lives of the disciples is that uh, Jesus has come back. He has said, peace be with you. And, uh, and uh, all of the disciples see him and they are glad because they, they see Jesus. And, and they're the people that are sitting around the table, probably quite literally with him. They're the people that get to experience Jesus not from the other side of a screen, but actually Jesus is there. They can reach out and they can touch him and they can go, you're really Jesus. Well, Thomas doesn't get that. Thomas is on the other side of the screen here. Thomas, for whatever he was doing, he was out at the grocery store or doing something and he comes back and they're like, hey, Thomas, you'll never believe what just happened. And Thomas goes, you're right. I'm not going to believe that. Because he hasn't experienced it. And all of these people are, are telling him what this experience was like, but he has no real experience, sensory-wise, of who Jesus is. He's just on the other side of the screen. He's hearing about how delicious it is. He's hearing about what it smells like. He's hearing about what the texture is like, but he hasn't experienced those things. That's where Thomas is in the midst of all of this. He's on that side of the screen. And I think sometimes we feel like we're on that side of the screen too. That, that wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here? Wouldn't it be great if, if we, we could stand next to Jesus and we, we could feel what the temperature of his skin was like? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here and we, we could you know, kind of smell what he smells like? Wouldn't it be great if we could hear what the timber of his voice was like? Wouldn't it be great if we could you know, see him up close and, and see, you know, does Jesus have moles? Is that a thing? If he does, where are they? You know, they have to come from Mary's side of the family, right? <laughs> but all of those sensory experiences that we know from other people, we, we kind of want that of Jesus. And, and that's exactly what Thomas is saying when he's responding back to the disciples. Is he's saying, well, I, I want the experience. I don't want to be on this side of the screen. I want the experience. I want to be able to reach out my finger and place them into the holes where the nails were. I want to reach out my hand and put it into his side. 
I don't want to be in this position where I'm just hearing about things, where I'm hearing about things through some sort of mediated sense of what this is like. I actually want Jesus here. And until then, I'm not going to believe. Now, I think at some level we can understand Thomas is saying that sort of obstinately. That we can understand Thomas is saying, well, I'm not going to believe until I see it. Stomping his foot, being kind of childish. But, you know, at some level, I think maybe he's right. Maybe he's not just stomping his foot. Maybe he's saying that without this experience, that it's really hard to believe. That without this sense of, like, I, I have this, and I'm walking into this, well, it, it's hard for me to really believe this stuff if I'm not experiencing it. It's hard for me to believe that Jesus is there if I'm not experiencing that. And that's what this whole sermon series actually is going to be about, this whole sermon series about signs of life. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through seven different signs of life, seven different things that biologically beings go through. Things like nutrition, things like respiration, and things like growth, things like movement. All those kind of things are, are things that we know about, yes, but we also experience. So you know that you're breathing, but you don't have to know that you're breathing. You get what I'm saying? You, you know that you're breathing right now because I just said something about it, but just a few seconds ago, you were still breathing and you were not conscious of it at all. Well, that's kind of what the sermon series is going to be about. It's going to be playing with those two things. Because I think that sometimes as Christians, we simply put all of our chips on the knowing side of things. We, we put all of our chips on the, okay, well, I know that Jesus died on the cross for me. I know that he rose again out of the tomb. I know that my sins are forgiven. But we're, we're not real good at walking into those things, at experiencing those things. And part of the reason for that is that there are people out there that would abuse you and say that if you're not experiencing things the exact same way that I'm experiencing those things, well, then you're not a Christian, or Jesus doesn't love you, or, well, you're maybe just a bad Christian, or something crazy like that. And that's not what we're going to be talking about. What we're going to be talking about is how we can look at these signs of life and go, I know that Jesus died on that cross and rose out of that tomb so that he could give me life, so that he could give me life. And life is experienced. It's not just in your head. It's in your fingertips. It's in your knees. It's in your spleen. And it's that sometimes that gets in the way of our belief. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we experience what we know. Because at some level, Thomas knows that Jesus came and was with him, but he just can't believe it. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sitting in the position between that knowing and that belief and figuring some of that out. And that's why this first one is such an important one. 
because this first one is so easy. What is something that living creatures do? Pretty much every living creature needs nutrition. It needs to eat. And so I think there's a part of us that says, hey, I'm kind of afraid when you, you say experience stuff, I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to command me to do something and that that's not going to be fun. Well, this is going to be fun, folks. Because the command in here, the law here is eat. I mean, maybe for a few of us, that is frightening. But for most of us, if somebody comes up to you and says, here, eat, most of us are like, well, okay. <laughs> and that's what God is saying. And the thing that he's saying that we should eat is his forgiveness. He, he's coming to his disciples and he's saying, go and, and eat this. Take this into your body. Take this thing that I prepared for you on the cross. You're so hungry because of your sins. You're so hungry because of the way that your life is broken because of those sins. Your, your spiritual stomach, if not your real stomach, is crying out for nutrition and saying, feed me. Feed me something good. Feed me something that will nourish me. And God is coming to you and saying, here, eat this. Eat this forgiveness. Take it inside of you. Let that power your life. See what it's like to have that good meal of his forgiveness. See what a difference it's going to make in your day. And then, like me, you'll start to say, hey, I think I can do some of this. Hey, you know, I'm no Emerald Legacy, but I, I, can, I, I can cook some stuff up. Maybe I can go out and I can forgive somebody. Maybe I can go and I can share with them something that I know is so valuable because I know what this tastes like. But before you do any of that, you just have to be a living being. And so may you this week, may you eat. And every meal that you have this week, whether it's garbage from Taco Bell that you're putting in your body, <laughs> or whether it's artisanal bread from someplace that is complicated to say, May you remember that that's not the only thing to eat. May you remember that God has given you forgiveness to take inside of yourself and to power your soul. Amen.